foundation tonight. We're going to read from Galatians chapter 5 as another scripture reading tonight. And beginning at verse 1, we'll read down through uh, the chapter, the book of um, Galatians, the epistle of Paul to the Galatians chapter 5, and beginning our reading at the first verse. Verse 1 of Galatians 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well, who did hinder you, that ye should not obey the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord, that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be." And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would that they were even cut off, which trouble you. For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, hatred, um, which, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word. 
Let's just unite in a word of prayer again. Our Father and our God, as we uh, are approaching Thee again tonight, we do thank Thee for the Word of God. We thank Thee for the fruit of the Spirit, which is given to Thy people. We thank Thee for that love, joy, uh, peace, temperance, meekness, and all of the parts of the fruit of the Spirit. And we do thank Thee for that. But Lord, we also have read about the sin that is in the heart. And Lord, we have read a long list of the different things that God looks at and sees as sin. And our Father, we recognize that these things cover a multitude and even the very uh, basic life of men and women in this world. Lord, they're guilty and we are guilty of these things. But Lord, we thank Thee that there's cleansing with Thee that Thou mayest be feared. We thank Thee that there's forgiveness with God and we bless Thee for the wonderful uh, mercy that God bestows on sinners. Draw us nigh to Thee and we pray that Thou wouldst bless us as we contemplate Thy Word. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, my text tonight is the first verse that we read in the portion of Scripture. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. All over uh, Ulster at this time of the year, there's the orange banners and the arches bearing the slogans, this we will maintain, or no surrender. And I think that the Apostle Paul would certainly have believed strongly in those slogans. He urges the Galatian believers here, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And we need to realize that one of the most important tasks that the child of God has in this day and generation and every day and generation is simply that, to stand firm, not be moved, and to say no surrender to the enemies of the gospel. We live in a day when it is very unpopular to take a stand like that, an immovable kind of a stand. We are told that there's a validity in every religion, and we need to accept other religions and uh, accept their teaching. A number of years ago, there was a resolution passed in the General Assembly of the, or the Senate of the Church of Scotland, and it proposed that other religions, such as Hinduism and Buddhism, had their own way to God. Now, you think of the brashness and the cheek of having a resolution like that. Because in effect, what that resolution was saying is that the Lord Jesus Christ was a liar when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And yet we find that in this day and generation, there are those that want to make a compromise with the very fundamentals of the truth. And here is a timeless principle. There is the faith there is a place that the Bible, or there are, there are the doctrines that the Bible has revealed. There is the very Word of God. And when it comes to the teaching of God's precious Word, the fundamentals of the faith, then we stand fast 
in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and we're not to be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. You think of the new concept of Chrislam. They have called it the amalgamation between Christianity and Islam. And there are talks that are going on between the Roman Catholic Church and Islam. There are talks that are going on by apostate Protestant denominations and Islam. And the thought is that each one of them is an Abrahamic religion. Each one of them draws from Abraham and will trace its roots back to Abraham. And therefore, there ought to be some kind of uh, uh, common ground that they have. But the Jesus that Islam preaches is not the Jesus that is revealed in the Word of God. Islam said that Jesus is a prophet, but no more than a prophet. I want to say tonight upon the authority of God's Word that the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed Son of God, is a Savior, and He's able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by Him. And I want you to see that the Apostle Paul didn't compromise here. The Galatian church were under pressure to compromise. There were Judaizers, there were false uh, teachers in the church of Galatia at that time. There were Judaizers who were telling the uh, Gentile converts that in order to be truly saved and follow God, that they needed to go through the rites of circumcision. And Paul heard about the false teachers, and he didn't enter into dialogue with them. He didn't propose to hold a conference with them. But he said, we find no common ground whatsoever, no surrender to those that compromise with religion. And what a wonderful thing it is, the religion that we have. We say, and it is revealed and probably tested down through the centuries, uh, it is tested, uh, it is proved through, down through the centuries, that this is the very truth of God. I was glad to see that the resolution for the twelfth day for the orange men says this, as orange men and orange women, we give thanks to Almighty God for the coronation of Charles III, King of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, head of the Commonwealth and defender of the faith. We are heartened by his majesty's promise to maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel. And we resolve to prayerfully supporting the king as he seeks to maintain the Protestant reformed religion, thereby securing civil and religious liberties for all. Our prayer is that the Holy Bible will keep him and us ever mindful of the law and gospel of God. It is the most valuable thing that this world affords, and it alone is able to make men and women and children wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we commit ourselves afresh to the faith and teaching of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, we resolve to the following him all the days of our lives and working towards the extension of his kingdom here and throughout the world. And there you see that um, orange men are committing themselves to the faith and teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope, maybe there are orange men, well, there are orange men 
uh, maybe listening on tonight. And I hope that that is going to be your testimony, that you are going to commit yourself to the faith and teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation. But we must not surrender the gospel. The gospel is absolutely vital in this day and generation. As the resolution said, it is the safeguard of our liberties. Rather than being something that hems people in and something that uh, puts people into a straitjacket, the gospel sets men free. And so tonight, I want us to look at the, uh, uh, what the uh, apostle says here in this portion of Scripture, and I want us to see the faith that we are not to surrender. And first of all, I want you to see the superiority of this faith that we are not to surrender. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And he describes the gospel, he describes what it is that he stands for as liberty. It is liberty. And we thank God for the liberty that we have in the gospel tonight. What is that liberty? Well, it is the liberty of God's word. We have the teaching of God. And we'll come specifically to some of the things that Paul was saying about the liberty But I want you to see that it all stems from the precious word of God. This word gives liberty to men and women. It gives liberty to nations. It gives liberty to uh, communities. And we read in John chapter 8 and verse 32, it says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And when he refers to the truth, he's referring to the precious word of God. The truth will make you free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And men and women, the message of this book is that the Bible, as it says on many of the orange banners, is the secret of England's greatness. There was a South American president many years ago who came to visit the President of the United States, and he asked a very uh, pertinent question. He said, how come that South America is so poor? He said it has all the natural resources. He says it had the sunshine. He said it had a lot of gold in it. How is it that the northern part of America, the United States, is prospering where much of South America is languishing? And, of course, there was no explanation to that. The South America did have all the natural resources. But the difference, and there are many differences we could, many people will point to oppression and all of these things as the reason why the South Americans had less. And we can take all those things into account. There was a certain amount of oppression. There's no doubt about that. But that's not the full reason. The full reason is that the north had the gospel. They had the liberty of the gospel that sets men free. It frees the minds and hearts of men and women. It frees them from the guilt of sin. And the Bible says, Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Many nations of antiquity no longer exist. You think of 
Edom. And Jeremiah 49, verses 17 to 22, tells us why Edom does not exist. Assyria, Zephaniah 2, verses 13 to 15, tells us why Assyria no longer exists. Sodom, Genesis chapter 18, verse 20, tells us why Sodom does no longer exist. And you think about the Hittites and the Moabites or the Philistines and these people that rebelled against God and they no longer exist. And let me say that if our nation continues down the road that is traveling, it is going out into oblivion today as well. God blessed Israel when they walked in obedience to God. When they followed God, they were brought into a land that was flowing with milk and honey. But when they turned to idolatry and when they turned away from God to the uh, gods of the nations round about, that's when their prosperity declined and the oppressor came in and the invader came in and they were brought into captivity and languished in captivity for 70 years. And I want to tell you, dear friend, that the blessing of God is on a nation that serves God. But when that nation turns away from God, there is uh, little remedy. It is only through the Lord Jesus Christ that we can find that liberty for our souls. So there is the liberty of God's word. But then there also is the liberty of grace. He says to the Galatians, for by grace, or to the Ephesians, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And here is the faith that we stand in. It is God's great grace. It is the gift of God. It's free. You know, salvation by the law. The law demanded 100% uh, obedience 100% of the time. And of course, that's why the children of Israel had to have the sacrifices. In order to get, gain the uh, blessing of God, they needed sacrifices. They needed the animal. And they laid their hands upon the animal. It was laid out. It was, there was an animal that was slain. And the blood that was shed was shed for the sins of those who uh, had committed those sins. And we think of the substitute here. And there needed to be a substitute to set the men and women free. But I'm glad tonight that the Lord gives us the liberty of grace. He's given us something. We don't need to work for it. We don't need to go through ceremonies for it. We think of the uh, false teachers that were here in this portion of Scripture, and they were coming saying, well, no, well, grace is not just good enough. You need to go through circumcision, and you need to go through the rites and ceremonies of Judaism, and you need all of these other things. And Paul says, no, you don't need one of those things. And there are many today who will come and they'll say to you, well, you need to go through this ceremony. You need to go through baptism. You need to go through confirmation. You need to say prayers. You may need extreme unction at the end of your life. And you need all of these things. But God says, no, it's without money and without price. And Paul was saying that grace was vital. And dear friend, if we undermine the grace of the gospel we have undermined the very heart of the gospel. So there's the liberty of God's word and there's the liberty of grace without money and without price. But then there's the liberty of the gospel. 
You see, the gospel sets men and women free. It sets men free from the power of sin. That's the greatest liberty that men and women can have. Sin brings us into bondage. And I want you to think, dear friend, about your life. There are things in your life that you can't get rid of. There are habits that have you in bondage. There are things that you run back to, those pet sins that you have. And the Bible says in John 8 and verse 34, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, the slave of sin. And you're not immune from that. You are a slave, even though you don't recognize it. Even though you're like everybody else. Everybody else is a slave to sin as well. You get angry at times. You can't help it. You take God's name in vain. You can't help it. You uh, do, uh, maybe you are involved with harmful substances, with alcohol, with gambling. Those things have you in bondage today. But I'm glad today that the Lord is able to set you free. We think of King David, and we think of how David was able to get that liberty from the bondage of sin. And he said in Psalm 51 and verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me, with thy free spirit, and God is able to set the prisoner free. Thou hast snapped my fetters. Thou hast made me free. Liberty and gladness I have found in thee. And Satan has the power to enslave us. But we're not only freed from the power of sin, but we're free from the penalty of sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. He that believeth not shall be damned. But again we say that Christ Jesus paid the penalty of sin. The just requirement of God against sin was met there at the center cross of Calvary. And there's no more punishment to those that are in Christ. There is therefore no, now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm glad that I can say there's no condemnation for me, not for what I've done or what I haven't done, but simply because of Christ. I'm depending on the blood tonight. I'm depending on the cross. And dear friend, that's the greatest liberty. It's a liberty for individuals. It's liberty for nations. It's liberty for the world. If the world would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, then what a change would be wrought in the world. You think of even revival times and the courts were robbed of any cases uh, to hear. The crime statistics plummeted because God had stepped in and there was liberty from the power of sin and the presence. Or one day will be brought out and liberty from the presence of sin. But dear friend, what a wonderful thing when sin is dealt with in your life. But secondly, I want you to see not only something here about the uh, superiority of this faith, but I want you to see the subversion of the faith. Paul says in the text of Scripture, Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, what's the yoke of bondage? Well, you know what a yoke was. Uh, there was a yoke that was put upon the oxen, uh, it would have been a, an implement. It would have been a, 
a shackle that was uh, brought, put between the two animals. Sometimes it would have been wooden in those days. And it was put over the necks of the animals, bound them together, so that one could not move without the other. And it would have been sometimes used on men and women if they were slaves, and they would have been bound in order to keep them in the right place. And here it speaks about the yoke that is brought. It's the yoke of bondage. Now, many of the commentators would say that the yoke of bondage here was the requirement to keep the law. They would say that the yoke of bondage is what they would call legalism. And uh, the, there is no requirement for the child of God to keep the law of God. Well, we do live in a day of grace. But I don't think that what many are saying is that uh, we don't need to uh, follow after the uh, laws of God. And there's a, a sense in which we don't need, but that gives liberty to the f- flesh. But I want you to think about what it says, and I'm not going to go into this too much. But if you t- look, look at chapter 4 and verse 3, uh, Paul says something about the yoke of bondage. He says, Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. That's the same word that he speaks of here uh, uh, be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. But he describes bondage as being under the elements of the world. Now, I don't think that Paul would have described the uh, law of God as being worldly. That's really what he's saying here. The elements of the world, the, the world and everything that is in it. And then if you go down to verse 9 uh, of the portion of Scripture... But he says, but now, after that you've known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? So now he describes the bondage as being under the weak and beggarly elements. And here he is describing the bondage as worldly or under the weak and beggarly elements. And as I say, I'm not going to go into this but I don't think what, what we're talking about here, he wouldn't have talked about the laws being under the weak and beggarly elements. And what I think really Paul is referring to here in this portion of Scripture, um, he's asking the Galatians, uh, the Gentile Galatians, not to go back uh, to something that is a perversion of the gospel. And he's asking the Jewish converts here not to go back under just depending upon the law, depending on the keeping of the law for their uh, salvation. It is salvation by grace. It is salvation by faith that they need to put their trust in. But I want you to see that there's an opposition. What I want to get to uh, just here is the opposition to the gospel. He says, be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. He says, there is somebody with a yoke there. There's somebody with shackles. Somebody that wants to bring you into bondage again. Somebody that wants to entrap you. And I want you to see what he says about those that are coming with this agenda against the gospel. These false teachers. And we need to watch out for the false teachers of this day and generation because they're getting ever more subtle as time goes on. 
And I want you to see about these false teachers that they are bold. They are bold. They are brash. They come in and they present their message as the real gospel. They present their message. There they were. They were coming into the church in Galatia. It's a church that had just been established. And they weren't shy about getting in there. And they weren't shy about opening their mouths and presenting their gospel, their thoughts as what should be done. And you can see their brazenness. And you get that in the cults. And you get that in the false religions of this day. They're not shy about going out onto the street. You get the Jehovah Witnesses and they come around the doors and they will knock the doors. There's a a boldness about their proclamation and they will express all uh, all of their false doctrine in such a way as if they think that they are uh, presenting the truth. And the liberals, in days gone by, have got into the Protestant denominations. They've got into the colleges of the Protestant denominations, and they've sought to pervert the truth of the gospel. And we need to be careful about the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to see that the enemies of the gospel are bold, not only in the church, but outside of the church. I I need to confirm this, but I, I have read this week that there is a report that has been drawn up by the United Nations. It has taken five years. It is a report on uh, pedophilia. And this group are going to advocate that pedophilia be a human right. So that's that. We, we said at the time of same-sex marriage that this was coming down the line. And when people said that on the radio, they were immediately shut off. How can you say something like that? How can you uh, say that this is what's happening? That's disgusting. But see, let's just wait and see. It's coming down the line. There are enemies, and and there's a hatred against the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. They are bold. But not only are they bold, but they are believable. Now, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 to 4, But I fear, he said, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through a subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom ye we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Now you notice that Paul speaks about another Jesus, another gospel, and he speaks there about another spirit. Now the word another there in the Greek actually means another of a different kind. It's, it's, it's something like, it's, it, it's, there's an affinity with what it is, but it's another of a different kind. It's, it's different. And he says, there is another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. But I want you to see what he says about this other gospel. He's writing to these uh, early New Testament Christians, and he says, here's his, here's his fear, that ye might well bear with him, that you might accept this. In other words, 
what they're saying is believable. It's, it's uh, uh, wrapped up in a lie, but there's a little bit of truth in there that is able to latch hold upon people. And you know, if you are coming tonight and you listen to maybe preachers and they're telling you, depend on your baptism to get saved, or depend upon your confirmation, and that's when you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear, there are many who would want to entice people and divert people away from the gospel. And oh, the wee man might be a lovely wee man, and he might be a very attractive wee man, and he might be a very winsome kind of a, a person. He comes with a, a, a smile, and he'll make a lot of fuss over you, and he'll come with a flattering message that you're okay, that, that you, you, you're, as I heard a minister tell children uh, the, the other week, um, you should all be proud of yourselves. You should all be proud of yourselves. Well, that's not the Christian message. We, we, we can't be proud of ourselves if we're in our sin. That, that, is, that was not the Christian me- message. And I want to tell you, dear friend, there are those that come and they bring a believable message. It, they, Paul was afraid ye might well bear with him. Again, the resolutions on the 12th uh, say this. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we commit ourselves afresh to the faith and teaching of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We resolve to follow in him all the days of our lives and working towards the extension of his kingdom here and throughout the world. And I want to challenge those who are orange men or orange women, either here or listening in, we need to adhere to that. It is the teaching of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and none other teaching. But not only are these uh, subverters of the truth, uh, not only are they bold and believable, but they're bad. They're watering down the gospel. They're changing the gospel. Paul spoke of these people entangling you in the yoke of bondage. And men and women, I want you to know that you need the truth. Above all things, and I know that a flattering message is one that you love to hear. And I know a little bit of tickling of the ears is something that will send us away feeling good. And maybe the true gospel doesn't make you feel good. But dear friend, you need to hear the truth. You need to hear what God says in his word. There are things that are given here and they're a revelation of the darkness and blackness of our hearts. And maybe it's not nice to hear, but I'm glad tonight that there's a remedy and it's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. How important it is that your soul be saved and you need to get to the truth. Take the Bible. Read the Scriptures. Read what God has to say in his precious word. Don't neglect the message of truth. But one more thing that I want you to see, and that is the steadfastness of the faith. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. We have to stand. We have to be steadfast here. We stand fast in liberty. We think of how the enemy works, and we think of how 
he appeals to pride and all of the things. And the enemy wants us to work in the flesh and walk in the flesh. And what he wants to do is uh, distract us and get us thinking about other things. He works to weaken the church of God and he tries to get all sorts of uh, disagreements in amongst the people of God. But what we need to do is stand fast in the liberty of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan is always crouching at the door. Satan is always in the attack position. Satan is always waiting to overcome us. But what we do is we stand fast in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can only do that if you're saved. You can only stand fast against sin if God has dealt with sin in your life and you have a new nature put there by the Holy Spirit of God. We're to stand fast in liberty. And then we are to stand fast in the Spirit. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. And we need the power of God, a power outside of ourselves, in order to be able to do that. We are saved and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our hearts and gives us the power to stand. There are many people, and when it comes to the gospel, uh, feel as if, well, I couldn't keep my salvation. I couldn't live the way that a Christian does. I couldn't conduct myself in the way that a Christian does, going along to church and praying. Those things are alien to me. I don't think that I could do that. But the thing is, dear friend, that when you're saved, God gives you this spirit of liberty, and he changes your heart. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. So he gives you a new strength, and he gives you a new motivation. And he gives you a new way of going. And you're not the same. You're a new creature. You're born again of the Spirit of God. And so we can stand fast in the Spirit. We have that power to do that as we lean upon the Holy Spirit of God. And then we are not only to stand fast in liberty and stand fast in the Spirit, but we're to stand fast in dignity. Really, the word there, stand fast, the word fast there has the connotation stand erect. We could uh, translate it stand erect, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. Stand in the face of the world. Stand upright. Stand up because we have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up because we're children of the King. Stand up because... God has promised us a crown. Stand upright because the Father has said he'll never leave us or forsake us. Stand up because our Savior is coming again. And he's coming as the great victor. He is the one who will come and set everything to right. And he is the one who will bless uh, the child of God at the end of the day. So we can stand upright. We can face the world. We can face death. We can face the untoward circumstances of life because God is our God today. Have you this God? Do you know him? Are you part of his family? Are you saved by his grace? Oh, what a wonderful thing that the Lord Jesus Christ 
died on the center cross of Calvary, and he took our sins upon him in his own body in the tree and bore our punishment that we might be free. The liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Are you free tonight? Then come and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your own Savior and as your Lord. Let's just bow, please, in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank thee for the liberty that our Savior has given us. We thank thee that we're free indeed. And we do thank thee that uh, thy word exhorts us to stand fast, no surrender. Uh, this we will maintain. And, O oh God, we pray that as God's people that we might strive to maintain this in thy strength and by thy power. O oh God, help us to stand against the inroads of the devil. Help us to stand against the apostasy in the church. Help us to stand against the false teachers and the subtle tempters and the devil and the imps of hell. O oh God, help us to stand in this day and generation. We thank thee that thou will give us the strength to stand. And so, our Father, we pray that thy hand would be upon us and that thou wouldst bless us abundantly as we stand for truth in this day, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Can we sing the hymn 512? Give me the faith which can remove and sink the mountain to a plain. Give me the childlike praying love which longs to build thy house again. And we'll sing uh, verses 1 and 2 of this portion, or this uh, hymn rather, the, the hymn the 512 and verses 1 and 2, and let's stand as we sing.
glad that we are able to proclaim a gospel that is able to quench the brands, the fiery brands of sin in the precious blood of Christ. We thank thee for the gospel that we believe in this evening, and we pray that thou wouldst enable us to be stalwarts and steadfast in the gospel of our Savior. Bless us now. We pray that thou wouldst part us in thy fear and with thy blessing. We pray that thou wouldst take us to our homes in safety. May the grace of God and the uh, love uh, of the Spirit be upon us. We pray, our God, that thou wouldst come and meet us at the point of our need. We pray that uh, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit may be upon us. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen.